Welcome back to our multi-part series called Crossing Into Easter. Today we're picking back up with part two of Joel and John's conversation. Thanks for being with us and we hope you enjoy listening. You know, he, he runs into controversy with the, the leadership of the, the Jewish people, both, you know, the Sanhedrin, which is a temple leadership, and the Pharisees, which is kind of the synagogue leadership, mm-hmm. which is throughout the, the... It's like the churches around the The diaspora yeah, yeah. Uh, throughout the Roman Empire. Yeah. And, um, you know, eventually he is claiming something that they believe to be blasphemous. He's claiming equality with God. He's claiming the ability to forgive sins. And none of these things were necessarily what they th- were thinking the Messiah had to be. So the Jewish expectation of the Messiah was not necessarily that he was divine. It's that he was a son of David mm-hmm. and he was going to be the true king. And so when Jesus starts claiming divinity and he's saying, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood if you want to participate in, in the kingdom and, and son, your sins are mm-hmm. forgiven and he's healing on the Sabbath and he's claiming the authority of God, especially in the book of John, talks about some of the stuff that he's claiming about him being equal to the father. And so the, the Jewish leadership is like, you know, yeah, that's, it's blasphemy. That's, that's blasphemous. So on Passover weekend, they they arrest him in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and they send him in front of the Sanhedrin, and they send him to Rome. John, are there any? I think there's a couple of passages where Isaiah mm-hmm. talks about God's son or God's presence on earth do you think that there were any in these sects pharisees that thought that that maybe the messiah could also be god um i i think yes so there were some right because i think there was a precedent for it was it. but but the the overwhelming idea was military messianic re- revolutionary and even if he was the son of god in, in that way, his purpose would still be military. Yeah, right. Revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, delivery from slavery in Egypt type action. And I want you to keep going, but Jesus spends plenty of time railing against the nation of Israel. Yeah. Cause, so it's not like he's saying, oh, I'm here to help you all. He's saying, you all need, you're in trouble. Yeah. Like in your, for what you're doing. Yeah. Not just what they're doing to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on, so on the road to Emmaus, the disciples that he walks with, when they don't recognize him, he says, you know, what are you upset about? They said there was this prophet. Mm-hmm. So he has an office of prophet that, right. he's, that he's doing while he's there. And, and if you read the book of the prophets, we think of them as predicting things, but yeah. mostly they're prosecuting their own people right. in their unfaithfulness right. to God. So Jesus does that. I yeah. mean, you know, him going after the Pharisees is not much different than Jeremiah going after right. the leadership. Right. And, not much different than Nathan going after mm-hmm. David. And it's just mm-hmm. not that much different than the way that the prophetic office worked. Yeah. And so, yeah, prophets do tend to get killed. Yeah. He calls them a brood of vipers. And so yeah, doesn't, so John. doesn't John. Yeah. They call him brood of vipers. How are you going to escape the coming wrath? Mm-hmm. That's what John says to the, to the leaders of the synagogue. That had to be part of why they didn't like him as well. Because yeah, it's th- like. Well, yeah. I mean, who would like that? Who would like that? But I mean, <laughs> he's doing all this stuff. So they're kind of thinking too that we're going to play a role in who this is, right? What wasn't one of the roles of the Pharisee to help uh, identify the Messiah? 
Yeah, I think so for 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 all of the leadership. Yeah, because they're going to know. I mean, they know, know Isaiah the more than anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They know the prophecies. Mm-hmm. They know what they're supposed to be looking for. Um, yeah, that, that that that's for sure. So it's like they're they're hearing from him, and they're like, it doesn't sound like what they want. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, right. even his own disciples. Right. Right. Like he, you know, Peter. He says, "You're the Messiah, the Son of the Living mm-hmm. God," and Jesus gives him the keys to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And says, on this rock, I'll build my church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and die. And Peter says, no, you're not. And yeah. then Jesus calls him Satan. It's In the same time, he says, like, blessed are you, Peter, above yeah. ab- ab- all of Jonah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, da, 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 and then the next time he says he's you're, the son, son Get behind of, me, Satan. Yeah, because yeah. when Peter's like, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, he has something in mind. Yeah. To go to Jerusalem and to die at the hands of Rome. Right is the opposite yeah. of what the messianic expectation was generally speaking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so he goes and, and has the confrontation and he goes in front of Rome and, you know, the Roman leaders don't think he's dangerous because he's not trying to be a revolutionary. Yeah. So the same reason that he's kind of sent to Rome and, and they don't believe that he's the Messiah is actually the reason why Pilate's kind of like, I don't, what do you want me to do with this guy? Yeah. He's not really claiming to do anything bad. Right. And then eventually, to keep the peace, they crucify him. Yeah. And they, you know, dress him up as a king. And they put son, or, uh, the king of the Jews above his, his mm-hmm. cross. And, and he gets, he gets uh, you know, beat and mm-hmm. tortured and crucified. Mm-hmm. All right. So he's take- rejected by Israel and the Gentiles. Yeah. So, so you think about Jesus he comes to save the Jews and the Gentiles. Right. He's rejected by both. Yeah. Incredible. Rejected by both. Oh, yeah. Straight up. Like, we don't want you. And, and well, not rejected by God, but severed in some way, shape, or form yeah. from his relationship with On God. Cross, and yeah. because he, you know, you, you get into it, but he becomes sin. Yep. So that is kind of the focal point of God and us and our separation. Yeah. So there has to be. For sure. So, uh, okay. So get in, let's get into some of the, the basic conceptions of what the cross means theologically. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as a staff, we, we've picked a couple of them, but why don't you just kind of take us through a couple of these ideas? Yeah. So we can come back and touch on, on whatever you want, but yeah. you know, as a broad overview, yeah. I would say that, that it's the day the revolution began. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Right, so we already talked about that, yeah. N.T. Wright. And so it's the day when the scriptures are fulfilled. Mm-hmm. It's the day when God gives himself as a once and for all sacrifice to yep. atone for the sin, uh, for the death that sin brings into the world. Mm-hmm. So he fulfills the sacrificial system. It's a day with the resurrection mm-hmm. when God triumphs over evil and sin and mm-hmm. death and Satan. Mm-hmm. It's the day when the wrath of God towards sin is mm-hmm. is exhausted, or the the biblical word is propitiated. Mm-hmm. It's the day, or uh, it's the the final movement or moment of Jesus's retelling of the history of the world and Israel. Mm-hmm. So his life is a recapitulation mm-hmm. of both the the history of man mm-hmm. and the history of Israel, and mm-hmm. this is the 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 end of that. Sins are forgiven, which is necessary for the exiled people of mm-hmm. God. It's the day when access to the holy creator mm-hmm. is given to unholy people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the temple uh, yeah. curtain is, is split 
Yeah. And access is given, adoption is given, forgiveness is given. It's the day when uh, the powers that enslave us, pull us away from God, deform us, are defeated. Mm-hmm. But not only defeated, Paul says they're made a mockery of mm-hmm. and exposed. To is, be that, what, is that what they Colossians? Always, he disarmed yeah, and yeah. He disarmed them and he made a spectacle, a spectacle of them. Up, yeah. uh, really revealing them to be what they always were. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's uh, the day that God's love is fully shown to us. Yeah. So he not only enters into human condition with us, but on the cross, it is all of the worst parts of all of our souls, everything mm-hmm. that's within us, all the evil, all the sin, all the darkness, all the death that we bring into the world and that is brought upon us, mm-hmm. all the shame, everything about us that we don't want people to know, all of that, he not only comes into it, but he experiences mm-hmm. it fully. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Fleming Rutledge says that he plums the depths of our souls mm-hmm. on the cross, mm-hmm. the, the very bottom of the abyss. And the reason that he does that is because that's where we are. Yeah. So he comes and he takes that upon himself. He suffers that. He subjects himself to that because we're there. Yeah. And he wants to find us. Yeah. And he insists on being with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the story of the cross uh, or the story that culminates in the cross and the resurrection is the greatest love story that's mm-hmm. ever told. Yeah. And so there's all kinds of different yeah. theological facets and things that are being fulfilled and things that are being explained and things that are coming to fruition on the cross. But uh, yeah, it is the central yeah. part of our faith. It's yeah. the reason why if you see a cross, you associate it with Christianity. Yeah, right. And Paul talks about, one of the things I was recently reading about is that the gospels were written after most of Paul's letters. Yeah. Um, and so Paul, he's the kind of the, he is the person that takes the narrative and the, the, um, what, what word am I looking for? The, the, the storytelling of Jesus's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is the one who formulates it for the first time and, and articulates it in words through his letters so he's the one that's saying what this whole thing is about. And over and over again, he talks about that really all he really has in this message is Christ and him crucified. Christ and Christ crucified, yeah. And I, I would actually say that Paul learned from the apostles. Right, he learned, he did, He yes. Right, and so you But have, they didn't write their narrative stories. Yeah, true, true. But he heard those stories. But stories the, yeah, and they, much, obviously. Certainly, you know, oral retellings of Jesus's life. And then you have this. But he heard about the resurrection. And my point is, he, he, the way that he punctuates almost the validity of his message, of course, it is with the resurrection. Yeah. It is. That's almost like the, I don't know, the bow on it or like the, what, what holds all these integral pieces together, yeah. like the net. Like you, it just falls apart. Yeah. But like what it's holding is this gift, right? The gift of the cross, right? The gift of what, what could be said, the love of God or the grace of God displayed. Yeah. The, the, the undeserved gift. Yeah. It's the most beautiful part of, of the story in that way, but it's also the hardest to believe because yeah. to believe that the Messiah would die is hard enough to believe that God in the flesh would die yeah. is hard enough to take that message to a culture like Rome that believed in power 
and sacrificial mm-hmm. co-suffering, self-emptying love was foreign, especially in the sense of class hierarchy and social status. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, he says it's foolishness to the Gentiles and, and it's a stumbling block to the Jews Yeah, because it, it is so surprising that that's how God did yeah. Yeah. what he did. Yeah. That it that that I think like if if you know you're a preacher so you want to get something across and sometimes you just have to hammer the same point mm-hmm, because yeah. you want to make sure that so there's other stuff to say but you really need to make sure that the thing that is either the hardest to understand or that's hardest for people to grasp or internalize there it is yeah that you really have to say it over and over and focus on it. And I think that when he says, you know, I, I came and I didn't use big words mm-hmm. and I didn't act like a philosopher. All I did was I preached Christ and Christ crucified mm-hmm. and it got me kicked out of the synagogues and it got me flogged and it started riots and, you mm-hmm. know, but that's, that's the central part of yeah. the story. So I would assume that, you know, that's what he focused on. And it seems to be the focus of the, the sermons and acts. Mm-hmm. It's, what, po- it's right. what Paul yep. talks about. It's what Stephen talks about. It's, you know, Paul's early, it's what he talks about when he goes to synagogues. And so it is the the central thesis mm-hmm. of what it means when we say that we're redeemed. Yeah. You can't, you can't untie it from the cross. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, from the resurrection. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, it, it doesn't mean The anything. resurrection validates. Well, the cross doesn't mean anything without the resurrection. Yeah, right, yeah, right. So if there is no physical resurrection, there, then the then cross, just then a, everything just a, I just said There are other the Messiah movements yeah, where people ended dying that way. Yeah. I mean, it happened close to Jesus' yeah, right. life. Yeah, right, right. And it happened after. Yep. So, um, yeah, so so you can't separate the two, but you can try to understand what's happening in those moments. Uh, I, I heard, um, I think it was that Michael Bird talking about, you know, about the cross. And, and I thought it was interesting that all the powers of the world that had obviously just played fast and loose and and hurt the Israelites. Mm-hmm. They ruled the world through causing death mm-hmm. to their subjects. Yep. So this is the first God in the history of the world at the time and still that rules the world through himself dying to give life to people who are dead. Mm. And every single yeah. nation before that wielded the sword and the power and death. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, you know, I've had conversations about death and how how many people died and why they died and how many people died in childbirth and how many millions of people died throughout d- the nation of yeah. Israel and their history oh, and, yeah. and Assyria and the Syrians and the, yeah, all yeah. that. I mean, just just may, may, I don't know. It's got to be a million. I mean, I'm sure it's somewhere in that ballpark of how many millions died yeah. at the hands of every god and ruler, and then here comes a god who. It doesn't make sense, is yeah. my point, what you're saying. It does not make sense that yeah. God would be like, oh, I'm going to actually rule through dying, not rule you by killing you. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, it's magnificent. I, and, and, and gods throughout history have to be appeased yeah. by the people. Yeah. And so the idea that, you know, in the Roman world, at least, the Greek world, that actually... God was going to take it upon himself to save you. Yeah. Is also counterintuitive. Yeah. It's like, I'm trying to save myself by not 
making you mad and appeasing yeah. you. You're the God. It's kind of interesting culturally mm -hmm. because now, which we'll talk about here in a second, people sometimes get, I think, a mixed up understanding of the cross as if God is sacrificing his son, um, which, which is complicated to talk about. And they don't like that. Yeah. Uh, but what's interesting culturally is that back in, in the Greek and Roman culture, a lot of the Greek and Romans were world when this was being preached, they were kind of like, well, I don't think I want a God who's weak. Right. So it's actually the opposite. Like yeah. they were like, you know, we, we think that the cross is too violent or something, mm -hmm. but the idea that it's a self-sacrifice mm -hmm. that God might die for his people or that the King might have been crucified like a slave. And a lot of the Roman world that it's Paul pathetic. was trying to reach is like, that's pathetic. Yeah. Why would we want to worship a God like that? Mm -hmm. And so the rejection is just kind of interesting how it flows culturally. Like mm -hmm. they were like, no, I want a God who's powerful, who might smite my yeah, enemies, right, right. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, it's counterintuitive. The cross in our culture, it becomes so familiar to us, it becomes unfamiliar. Yeah, right. That's a Dallas Willard idea. Yeah. And so we think we know what it is and we forget that even in our life, even in our culture that's been shaped profoundly by Christianity, it's still, still counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the way we live. It's not the way we think about love or power. So, John, one of the critical aspects and probably the most preached, articulated aspect of the cross mm -hmm. for the past hundred years is just the simple idea. I think theologically it's penal substitutionary atonement. And yeah. This is the idea that God loves you so much that he died for you because you deserve to die because mm -hmm. the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. So instead of you dying, God came to this earth and he's perfect and you're not. And even though he's perfect, he died for you in your place. Yeah. And, and you know, it's an atoning sacrifice substitution mm -hmm. him for me. Now, I want to talk about that because it's not untrue and it's not unimportant, but mm -hmm. you mentioned a couple of other things. I kind of want to talk about that last okay. or, or, or at least in, you know, an appropriate relationship to many other aspects of the cross yeah. that, that get overlooked. Yeah. So I think one of the first things you mentioned, which I think is fascinating, which I think is critical, is the, fulfilling, the fulfillment of the according to the scriptures. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the cross according to the scriptures. Cause when you first say that, and I want you to just add language to this, the implications or like what is being said is that, that the cross finds itself in the narrative appropriately as it's related to the things and the the story that have happened leading up to that. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people look at the, the prophetic things, you know, I think what Isaiah 53, he was wounded yeah. for my transgression, those types of things. And it's like, okay, there was a hint, there was a flash of that, but take us through the idea of, according to the scriptures, a, li a little more holistically. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it begins with uh, Genesis 3.15, right? Yep. right? Which, which is called the Proto-Euangelion, yep. the first gospel. So after the fall, yep. God's response after alerting them of the fact that their rebellion has brought about all kinds of terrible consequences, including yep. death, yep. which he told them, if you eat from this tree, surely you shall die. Mm -hmm. So that's not a surprise. Mm -hmm. He promises salvation and he tells the, the snake that, that you know, one day the offspring of the woman, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head 
and you will crush his heel. Mm-hmm. So it's actually the same. A lot of times I think it's he will strike your heel, mm-hmm. you'll, but it's the same verb mm-hmm. in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So you can say, you know, he, you will be crushed, snake, mm-hmm. and he will be crushed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Bring, bring that to full view because uh, uh, I think some people understand that verse and that idea to mean that there would be a blow to, to the seed mm-hmm. of, of, of Eve, but that, that there would be a death blow to the snake. the snake. And that's not what it means. I think, you know, what that verb means in its semantic range or whatever, I think it maybe could mean strike. Like, I I don't think that, you know, the interpreters are being wrong, but it could also mean crush. Well, because... (laughs) Which is what it's, which is what it's interpreted as... Yes. ...after the cross. Yes. This is what the apostles see, is that, you know, the the snake crusher was crushed. Yeah. By, by, you know, it was a, it was a, um, a reciprocal death blow. The, the, um, the Bible project video on this is great. Yeah. Uh, it's on, it's, I think it's called mess Messiah or something. Yeah. Okay. And you, you, one. you overly, you see over and over again, this giant snake. Mm-hmm. And then you just see the legs of the snake crusher Yeah, and, and the snake grabs the ankle and bites the ankle of the, you yeah. know, of the snake crusher. And then he crushes its head. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he crushes its head, he falls over and dies. Yeah. So the idea is that well, like snakes are poisonous, right? So, so that's the idea. If you that step on a snake, but it bites your heel, then you're going to you die. die, right? So I think I think that you know that's a good interpretation of it, yeah. and that is the Christian interpretation of that verse. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where it all starts. I mean, that's the third page of the Bible. It's right away, right? That that Messiah is promised yep. in a very vague way. Yeah. Um, so. What, talk, just give me a little bit more on just anything you know around dating, around just the way that that fits into the, the whole narrative in terms of the book of Genesis and the messianic promise, or potentially is that the first place where the idea is at least implied of the suffering, of the suffering servant for um, Messiah? I think so. I, I, I would say, I mean, it's pretty early. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering, you know, like... Well, I, I mean, in terms of the narrative flow. Well, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, historically, the dating of those books is very difficult because we don't have them. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't have lots of ancient things, so... But they didn't understand, right, jumping many times, even on the resurrection day. They yeah. didn't understand he had to die. They didn't understand that he had to die and raise from the dead. They, they didn't understand that he had to go and die. Right. So there's this misunderstanding of... Well, that's from the beginning. There was going to be a at least a a a, a wound, mm-hmm. and and so 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 the way that for I Messiah. Would, so the way I would describe that is that I think it's it's called. You know, we believe that everything that brought the scriptures to be what they are today was inspired, everything, and including the interpretation of the apostles in in the scriptures, right? So the, the interpretation. So what the, what the apostles after Jesus's death, mostly in the book of Acts, but including Paul, they're interpreting the old Testament right, when they yeah. talk about Jesus. Right. And Jesus is interpreting the old Testament when he talks about himself. Right. And so we think that those interpretations are inspired. Now those interpretations are what we would call Christological interpretations, which yeah, means the reverse that order. It's yeah. in light of the in cross. Of, yeah. This is what the Old Testament means. 
Some people don't like that because they would say, well, the servant songs, Isaiah, the end of Isaiah, those are about Israel, which is what the Israelites thought. Yeah. Uh, that's how they still interpret it. Which non- is not messianic. Yes, and which which it, it it is as well. Yeah, I mean because that's what's so the complicated idea is about that, this. You know, there's going to be a, a servant that comes and he's going to suffer for the sins of the nation. He's going to be despised. He's going to be oppressed. He's going to be trampled. He's going to take the sickness onto yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah. And in light of the cross, we think it's obvious that yeah. that's Jesus. But it's also written to an exiled people who are. That's suffering. happening to yeah, them, Yeah, they're right? suffering, yeah. So I think, you know, uh, Israel's called God's son throughout the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, because he chooses them. And so the the non-Messianic interpretation of that, it, it still works yeah, theoretically. But the reason that we have a different interpretation of it is because Jesus died and rose from the dead. Well, and because whatever you know you understand israel being the son of god in a sense that abraham was promised a son Mm -hmm. and so there's this offspring and here we are Mm -hmm. and there's going to be a suffering servant and well there you are except here's the one caveat you guys aren't doing anything to fix the problem you are the problem you're causing the problem you've caused the problem so there you know it's just funny isn't it it's like I, I just find that so fascinating to be in that culture, to be living in, dear Lord, Babylon, or living in post-exilic Judea. I mean, and to wonder what yeah. is, how's this going to, how's this going to come together? Because we we can't seem to get ourselves out of this mess. Right. So there's a part of me that, as I think about it and talk about it out loud, I'm like, how did they not know that he was supposed to die? Yeah. Well, it seems pretty like. Well, I think um, the death, the sacrificial death of a Messiah, um, maybe suffer but not die. I, I don't know. Well, the you know the the uh, Maccabees. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there was a rebellion. Yeah. Whatever. Give, give people the general. Yes, yeah, so 160 years about before Christ. Gee, before Christ, about 160 BC, something like that. There was a rebellion. Um, by the Jews led by um, a family and Maccabee means hammer. And so was it Judas Maccabeus yeah, or whatever? He was the first one. And, and, and it's a long, you know, convoluted history, mm-hmm. but, but essentially they won their independence against the Syrians, right? From Antiochus Epiphanes, Antiochus Epiphanes and yeah. the, the, uh, the Seleucid empire, mm-hmm. which is yeah, Syria. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the people are looking for this Messiah and what they think they want is not some pie in the sky thing. They had it. They had independence. They had a moment where they actually rose up defeated and had a long run of independence. And then mm-hmm. Rome came back in and, and took over once mm-hmm. the Roman Empire was at full strength. And so that's kind of like what people are looking for. But uh, the Maccabees died sacrificially in in battle. Yep. And so when you read First and Second Maccabees, which is in the Catholic Apocrypha, uh, and it's uh, what, what you yep. call Second Temple intertestamental, yeah, there is language of sacrificial death. Yeah, so it's not unheard of, hmm. but the idea that you might die and rise again was strange mm-hmm. because those who believed in the resurrection in the in the Jewish faith at the time they they thought that it was a general resurrection which we still do believe 
Not not an individual. But not one yeah. person, yeah. not the Messiah, not yeah. in that time. So that that was all hmm. somewhat new. And so, you Very know, easy for you, me to sit here and think about the nation of Israel and be like, you guys are all so stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or, or the, or the uh, <laughs> Jesus' disciples. Yeah. Because what, what... They obviously learned something. But the thing, that, the thing that happens is you read those and it drives you crazy because Jesus says, I'm going to die and, and rise again. And they all act like they didn't hear him. Yeah. Because it's so different than what they were hoping or expecting yeah. for. Are they just so myopic about, you know their tax gatherers and their fishermen and and they just they just want success and to hear him say that is like can, can that happen after we yeah. you know get into I, the I su- I kingdom suppose, i mean it just, i suppose you could you could say it like um they had to understand a nature of the of this idea of this of a suffering servant that that's my like okay but but today could, let's say that um america had a president whose idea was that in order for us to be what we are going to be one day, all of this has to get destroyed. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So no, I don't know. Maybe, not okay with that. Maybe this other nation will come in and destroy us, and that's not going to be fun, and it's bad, but that's what has to happen. Yeah. And then we will rise to some new prompt. Yeah. Like, we would be like, well, no, I don't, course, we don't want right, that. Right. We want to be free. We want to yeah. be America. We want to yeah. be you know, what we're supposed to be. And so I think that, that the cultural implications of the time until you see the resurrected Christ. And, and you know, the, the thing that's interesting about the post-resurrection is like in Luke, the disciples are walking to Emmaus. They don't understand. Right. The women had already seen the resurrected right. Christ. Right. They told them that, that Christ was not in his grave, that Jesus was not in his grave. And they're walking to Emmaus confused and downcast because they're like, well, we thought he was the Messiah. He was powerful but then he died. So he's obviously not the Messiah, but then our women come and tell us that he's not in the grave. And so we don't know what to think. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, how slow you are to understand the scriptures, the scriptures, because and he opens the scriptures, but their eyes are closed, right? Like like to him. Yes. So until they break bread, I'm not correcting you, but the story is that they don't know it's him because he, he doesn't let them know it's him. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is not revealed to them yeah. until they sit down and eat. Yeah, right. And he opens up the scriptures. But he opens up the scriptures before that and teaches them why. And talks them on the way, right? From Moses mm-hmm. all the way to the end, the Messiah had to suffer, die, yeah. and then raise again. But I think that it's a novel interpretation in okay. terms of what it was at the time. Okay, okay. That's but what I'm trying to get at. That, like, that, would be, that would be my understanding of it. So it's not, it wasn't what they were looking for. I think what N.T. Wright always says is that uh, the, the cross and the resurrection fulfilled what God was doing the whole time in a way that was so surprising, no one knew what was happening. Yeah, was right. Happening. Yeah. Something only God could do, I think. He fulfills all the things that he told them he would fulfill in a way that they just still didn't understand no. until it actually happened. And then, and then, uh, and then well, the contention yeah. is some people don't think it happened. And then you have to think like even then, like, Thomas is there and he's like, well, I'm not going to believe that he rose from the dead until I see his hands. Right. And then he sees his hands and I think that they're happy. Yeah. But then in Acts chapter one, before he ascends, they ask him, well, are you now going to bring, bring the, the kingdom, kingdom. to yeah. fruition? Right. They're still. Yeah. And so he's like, that's not, you know, that's not what I'm doing. And he's, so he gives them the commission and he ascends to the right hand. 
he's doing, I think what's interesting is you know, you and I talk a lot. And I mean, uh, the guys that we like that teach, they spend like, I mean, such an enormous time on the starting point of Genesis one, two, and three that like, it's almost like the whole story is in there. The whole thing is right there. What Jesus is doing is fulfilling the movement of the the Genesis three fifteen Euangelion pro, proto even yeah. gospel, like he yeah, so sure. so he's not just the you know the Passover lamb and he's not just mm-hmm. you know the the offspring of Isaac or of Abraham. He is the fulfillment of God's plan from the first day of the problem mm-hmm. of bringing things back to life. So in the middle of the narrative, which is kind of what he chooses to enter in, into a story, yeah. the, the nation of Israel becomes the, the cart, if you will, for this story to be fulfilled. But when he rises from the dead, he is, and we, we know we'll get into this later. What he's, what he's doing is starting new creation. Yeah. 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 So they, well, the, they're so, wanting the, the part of, of the God narrative that fits their particular story, which I'm not saying is unimportant, but I think that might be why they missed it. It's like the, there's the church, there's, there's the spirit, there's the, the, the new Adam, mm-hmm. right? Paul talks about like, yeah, he Paul takes it further Adam, yeah. back to before Abraham mm-hmm. and uses that language. I don't know. I just think that like, probably there was a little bit of, uh, a lack of wider view, which of course, yeah, yeah, a yeah. Monday morning quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it, it the, is the it disciples is as shock. It is shocking enough, yeah, that without two thousand years of church history, it's hard to understand just how surprising and shocking it is. Yeah, and you know, according to the apostles in their sermons and preaching and and you know preaching the gospel, he fulfills all of it. Right. He fulfills the nation of Israel. He fulfills the law. He fulfills the sacrificial system. He fulfills creation in general. All the new covenants. Everything. The Noahic covenant, the covenant with Abraham, mm-hmm. the covenant with David, mm-hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. He is the proper Adam, and mm-hmm. he is the proper Israel, mm-hmm. and he is the proper king, mm-hmm. and he is the proper human. Yeah. So he fulfills all of it. And yeah. the way that it's talked about in the narrative is is very fascinating because the authors are very purposely showing in the gospels, all the things that he fulfills. And sometimes they're doing it very blatantly. And sometimes they're doing it, I think, artistically. Um, There's a, the the birth story. So Mary is pregnant by the Holy spirit. And in Luke, it says that the spirit will overshadow you. And so when you think of like a shadow, Think of like your hand, you'd hover it over the mm-hmm. table. And so Jesus is birthed by the hovering of the spirit, which in Genesis chapter one, is, creation is the spirit of God hovered over the over face the of the deep yeah. and then said, let there be light and yeah. creation happens. Yeah. So it's like, well, that right there is beginning of new the creation. The language is the fulfillment of new creation yeah. that, that right there in the story of Luke. Now that's kind of hard to see Well, un- uh, unless... Yeah, unless you understand hover and you understand Genesis, you, you understand all that stuff. But yeah. then once you do, it's kind of like, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, he goes to Egypt 
the same to escape way. Yep. Herod, which is like Pharaoh, and then he returns from Egypt, which is like the Israelites did in yep. the Exodus. He gets baptized in the Jordan, which is how the Israelites crossed into, into the, the promised mm-hmm. land through the waters of the Jordan. Um, he calms the water, mm-hmm. which is what God did to the chaos water mm-hmm. in Genesis chapter mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. He is from the line of David. Mm-hmm. They make that very clear. Yep. And so he fulfills the Davidic covenant. Yep. So it's all it's all very um it's all there. Is that is that the the thrust, John, in terms of like the pieces of the fulfillment of the scripture is kind of what you just outlined. The yeah, I think I think so. Adam, I mean, it's, it's Abraham, and it's Mosaic, Davidic, right? And then the life of Christ. Talk a little bit about, and maybe this is a separate thing, but talk a little bit of, about Jesus is is the representative of Israel. Yep. So the so the kings, once they put kings in charge. So mm-hmm. Israel's not supposed to have kings because God is their king. Right. And this is one of those where he says, fine, you can try oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, but in the book of Judges, it's a disaster without right. a king. Right. And they keep saying, in those days, there was no king, so Israel did whatever they wanted. Right. And it ends with a scene of rape and murder and civil war. And so God gives them a king because they say they want to be like the other nations, mm-hmm. which is exactly what they're not supposed to be like. Yeah. So they get a king and then that changes the relationship because now the king is the representative of the people, just like Israel is the representative of humanity. Right, yeah. So it keeps getting kind of smaller. smaller. So the king, you know, the faithfulness of the king is a big part of the rise and the fall of the whole nation Mm -hmm. in the context of the scriptures. So the kings are not faithful. And so they don't represent Israel well. And so Israel does not represent humanity well. And so the whole representation problem is a big problem that has to get solved. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus comes and fulfills the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. So you can right. see this yeah. in the temptation story right. where he wanders for 40 days and 40 nights tempted by the devil and he does not succumb to It's the a temptations. picture of the nation of Israel. Whereas Israel wandered for 40, 40 years, years and it yeah. was a disaster. They did succumb yeah. to basically every, every temptation. temptation. Yeah. And... Uh, a journey from Sinai to the promised land, which was supposed to take 11 days, takes 40 years Yeah, because of how poorly right. they follow God. And so here's Jesus essentially doing a microcosm mm-hmm. of that, right. but successfully. Yeah, right. So you see these things throughout his life and he's fulfilling the scriptures. He's fulfilling the nation of Israel and, 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 and the, the representation of Israel by the proper king, which is what he was promised to be the mm-hmm. Messiah the whole mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. It's great. Christ. So that that kind of that summarizes according to the scriptures. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, is is the so the suffering part. If you go all the way through, you're looking at, of course, you're looking at um, the proto evangel Genesis three fifteen. Yep. You're looking a little bit at. I heard. Uh, uh, I don't remember who talk about Abraham and Isaac. Yep. And how even in the story of Abraham and Isaac is a foreshadowing of the cross and the resurrection. Mm-hmm. So obviously the son that's sacrificed is, is, is a Christological picture of what Jesus is about to go through yeah. as the promised son. But then also the promise of having a son when you're not able to have a son mm-hmm. is also a picture of new life and resurrection. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing yep. like this kind of 
in light of the cross, all of these things are in full view and they, they, they just illuminate. They just yeah. come to life. It's like the whole thing yep. had to do with that moment. Genesis 3.15, Abraham, the nation of Israel and, and sacrificial a, a, system. the sacrificial system, it just all comes all to the cross. It, yeah. so, so according to the scriptures, it's kind of like the best place to start because everything, every other theology fits in there somehow. Yeah, and it's how Jesus explained himself to his own disciples after his resurrection. Right. He opened up the scriptures. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we yeah. say a lot of good things about the scriptures, but we don't read them a lot because they're difficult to read. Yeah, right, right, But right. But that's really where it all gets illuminated. Right. And so, you know, good theology comes from yep. the scriptures. So what? what's the next tenet? You you mentioned fulfilled according to the scripture in terms of the cross. What was, the, what was another one? Um, the day that... That sin and death and evil, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want are to, defeated? Is that wrath? You want to talk about propitiation? Um, we or? can talk about wrath. Uh, that that to me is the the triumph over the powers. Yeah. So it's it's called in theological circles uh, Christus Victor. Mm, yeah. So what? Okay. So go back to what you were saying though. The the day. Yeah, the day that sin and death and evil are confronted mm-hmm. and in concert with the resurrection, of course, defeated. Yeah. Right. Right. That's yeah. Um. So, you know, the the cosmology of the scriptures, the way that they understand the world is that there's different realms. So God's the creator of this world, but for some reason, Satan yeah. has authority yeah. over the realm of the dead, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And he has sway here on earth, Yeah, uh, even in that picture of the serpent. Right. You no, know? you show up, I see where you're going here. You show up to the Bible and there's this beautiful garden and then there's this world but right away, without any explanation, there's a snake on the scene. Yeah. So there's powerful agents in the world. Mm-hmm. And basically, like you talked about, that like Earth is kind of like a beachhead where this war that's already happening before the, the creation of man. war, spiritual war. Is already happening. And I, I heard N.T. Wright say recently, he's like, God's plan was to have a well-ordered, creative um manifestation in, in, in all the world, yeah. right? So he wants to have an ordered thing, and that includes us, yep. but it also includes order in the angelic, demonic, whatever world, and b- by the time we show up, that's already out There's of There's already sorts. been a fall. Mm-hmm. There's been a spiritual fall. Yeah. Yeah. And so those forces are, are uh, they're active. Yeah. So sin is not just something we do. And death is not just something that happens to us in, in the, the biblical understanding of the spiritual world. They're forces yep. that enslave us. Yeah. And you really can't understand what the heck Paul is talking about when he talks about the armor of God and the, the, the evil one. Yeah. Unless you understand that. Uh, we pretend like we don't believe in the spiritual world. Right. But that's actually not very true. Uh, most of us do in ways that are very intuitive. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. It's part of our lives. We're scared to say it because we think we're enlightened Mm -hmm. and scientific, Mm -hmm. but the spiritual world is intuitive to us. Yeah. We actually do think that that that's real. And so the Bible is just explicit about it. That's what they believe. Yeah. And And just just give a little more to people that are listening. Like, what do they believe? Yeah, so they believe that, that, um, that the other gods are actually divine. So so you mean the other gods like Pharaoh? Uh, yeah, and the other gods like Molech. Or Balaam or, or whatever. Or Baal. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so the gods of the Canaanites that have some kind of territorial authority in this world. Okay. The one day God's going to come and he's going to wipe, wipe that all out. Now, hold on, back up a little bit. Sure. So <clears throat> I understand the, like, the gods or whatever in, in the rulers of, of whatever the Canaanite scenario. Back up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You show up to the scene, there's principalities. We see in Genesis chapter 6 that, you know, the sons of men and the sons of God yeah. are, you know, mating with women, humans, mm-hmm. and creating whatever. Just give, I know, I know you've done some of this, like, Michael Heiser, is it Heiser? Mm-hmm. Just tell us a little the bit more, realm. just because I think that 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 part of the idea of evil and 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 uh, I think that's what we're talking about: yeah. evil powers. We do understand the manifestation of those things in our hearts, yeah. in the world. Yeah. It's clear, you know. We get that, and most of us agree on what's really bad. But there's an order that has that has before we were created has already started the process of a rebellion against God. And that rebellion is evil. And the, the snake is just a representative of that, but yeah, just, I I want you to talk a little bit about what you believe the orientation of, of the created order was before humans were made. mm -hmm. So, so it's hard to, it's hard to say, except for the fact that because of the, the snake's entrance, into the Genesis chapter three, uh, the snake is certainly supposed to be a divine being. So sometimes we think like these ancient people were so silly because they thought snakes could talk, but they don't think snakes could talk. Right. They actually came in contact with snakes much more than you or I do. They know what snakes can and can't do. Yeah. The snake is talking because it's divine. Right. It's angelic in some way. And so that to me means that there, there was a fall. Yeah in the spiritual world before the, the, before the, the human fall. Yeah. So, you know, um, I think that God has his heavenly host, which is him and his angelic images. And then he has his terrestrial host, which is humans. Mm-hmm. So we rule this realm we're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Well, this... Uh, you're, you're just making me feel like Thor. Like when yeah, you say yeah. that, I, that we rule the realm, yeah. I'm like... <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, this is uh, this. This will sidetrack us a lot. Yeah. We should we should do some time on on. No, we can, we can. But but the, the evil that's defeated on the cross. Well, they're they're bring agents. It in, agents of evil, yeah, and rulers of a realm of death. So, what's the concept? You know, the wages of sin is death. That's not like a poetic phrase. That means that sin. Yeah equals right. the destination of death. Right. If you eat from this tree, you'll surely die. And this will matter when we go on it. Anyone that listens all the way through. Death yep. means physical bodily death. Yeah. Your body goes back into the ground from which, from where you were created from. Yeah, it, it means in terms of Genesis 1, lack of access to the tree of life. Yeah. So um, so, so that, that realm is not ruled by God because God is the God of life. So because he's God, he, he rules all of creation, mm-hmm. but the authority of death is that which causes death, mm-hmm. which is Satan and sin and evil, powers of darkness and the spiritual forces that are opposed to God. So these things are real. 
Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus is casting out demons. That's spiritual war. He's going up to people and he's seeing people that are under the domain of evil spirits that cause death, that enslave people, that put you in bondage, and he releases them from, right. from that bondage. And so on the cross, those forces or those spirits or that evil, those agents, principalities and the powers, they, they you know, attack him. Or, or, or almost like they put him there. They put him there for sure. It's through like us. Through us, evil drives him to the cross. Yeah. Evil in his in the the whipping and the scourging. That and the rejection. In the rejection. Him, and, yeah. But that is like he he doesn't end up on the cross without agents and powerful beings of evil. It's yeah. evil. Yeah. I mean, I think that that evil is active. In the world, yeah, that's what I want you to get at because what I so the analogy and just correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think it's so. Have you seen Transformers? Yes. So a little bit of how I see this: Genesis chapter one, two, three is you got the you know you got the Decepticons and then you got the Autobots and they are in a galactic fight mm-hmm. and then we end up in the middle of it. That's kind of how I see it. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You can see it like that. I, sure. I know that sounds like and, silly, but the idea is that there's this thing that's going on out there, and then we get created in this other space, and right away, the, one of the agents of evil, which is supposed to be subservient to whatever mm-hmm. you know, Optimus Prime or right. whatever the major thing is. I don't even know. My son knows, but like, they start to play with us and pull us into their fall there and then we get caught in the middle of that yeah yeah and then once we fall then then we are also opposed to god opposed to god right yeah they're turning us against god the way they're turned against yeah, god yeah yeah they have a strategy yeah you know, it's like uh c.s lewis screw tape letters yep. you know they have the demons yep. or whatever yep. have a strategy of how to turn humans from god from god yeah um and so yeah the 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 agency of evil mm-hmm. the activity of evil is an important way to understand biblical theology mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because um paul will say things like you're either going to be a slave to christ or a slave to death yeah he means real entities right agents agents powerful forces that have agency in the world and so he says you can partner you you could choose who you partner with so is death an agent yeah. Or is, is it a result? Both. Okay. It's the consequence of sin, but it is, it is an agent. Okay. Like, and, and, and you, you kind of, that's intuitive. Yeah, really sure. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. It's a scary Reaper. thing. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. create our own mythologies yeah, around yeah. death, but it's like death creeps up on you, mm-hmm, you know, death, mm-hmm. it, we personify yeah. it because it seems to be active mm-hmm. and that's the way that, that, it is in the scriptures. And so basically Jesus is subjected to all of that on the cross, the son of God. Yeah. And he dies. He, the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. And so he faces the, the wages of sin. And then in raising from the dead or being raised from the dead, he defeats sin. Well, he defeats evil. And if the wages of sin is death, but evil, or uh, uh, sorry, if the wages of sin is death, but he defeats death, then sin has no power left. Yeah, yeah. It, dis, it gets disarmed. So Paul quotes the Psalms and says, where, O oh, death, is your power? Yeah. Where, O oh, death, yeah. is your sting? Right, right. 
And if that's the final, I mean, you're, you're talking, uh, transformers, like video game. Yeah. That's the final boss. Yeah. So if death can't hold Jesus, then sin certainly has no power over him because the wages of sin is death. The powers that rule the realm of death have no power over him. Yeah. He's defeated them because they can't hold him. Yeah. And so, um, it is a cosmic victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cross is not a simple transaction of the forgiveness of sins. It is a cosmic victory of God over the forces of evil. It's a hard thing to conceptualize because it's hard to understand how by receiving mm-hmm. or bearing the burden, the, the, the result, the attack, you know, you use the word extinguish, mm-hmm. like that him receiving that, he takes all that and then to overcome then then he he dies because it kills him yeah and then the the victory is in the resurrection mm-hmm. so it, it, the cross part is just like wow like i mean he just basically got annihilated by death and i mean that's it man i mean it's a sad state of affairs but resurrection pulls us into view that these two forces collide Genesis chapter three, like I had mentioned to you, it's, it's, they both give each other death blows. Jesus on the cross, does Jesus on the cross give death a death blow or does Jesus give death a death blow in the resurrection? So I think that it's all tied together. I know that's the part. Integrated. Yeah. And it makes sense. what, What I would say is that unless he faces down the powers and receives the consequence, then the battle never happens. Yeah, so he has to receive the consequence. So that's the substitutionary part. Yeah, well, you know, what the, we're not, we're not always comfortable with this uh, in our modern day, but what the creeds say is that he goes to hell. Right, right, right. Full separation from God and full death because hell is, is death, the realm of death, death 80s. And, yeah. And so in his death, he actually goes, descends to hell. And comes out victorious and so, raises from the dead. Okay, so we're going to talk about this. Hell also is what's happening to him. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it is. Yes. Right? So then it's happening to him. And then death, because the way that, you know, in my classic evangelical Christian theo- theological training, the separation, right, between God and in 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 Jesus or or whatever is it, it was it's often talked about a spiritual separation, yeah. which is kind of what you're getting at. That on the cross he he's separated from God. Yeah, but like he talks about being separated from God while he's on the cross. Mm-hmm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, and then he says, "Into your hands, I." Give, commit my spirit. So my question for you is when he dies, does he go to hell after that? Or is while he's in this state of being sin and experiencing what I would call hell, the, the worst manifestation of evil possible Mm -hmm. is that, is that the descent spiritually as well? I th- I do think that that's probably the beginning of the descent, but in you terms th- of realms, uh, there's the realm of the dead. Yeah. So uh, the creed actually says he descends to Haiti. 
But is Haiti always hell? Hades is the realm of the dead. So it's kind of a... Is that Abraham's bosom? Um, I'm sorry, I know that's, that's a lot. That's Sheol, and, which is the Hebrew conception of the realm of the dead. Then Hades is kind of the Greek conception of the realm yeah. of the dead. And then by the time of Jesus, there's the idea of Gehenna. So the idea of, of punishment for the unrighteous is sort of developed over, over this time. Okay. But I think that the, the theological point of the cross and his descent to hell is that he dies. Bodily, physically. Bodily. He's dead. Yep. And death is where Satan rules. So is death a place or is it an well, animated force? Hell is a realm. <laughs> I but, think it's, how I would, it's a domain. But a domain that, that, that is part of our experience here without the kingdom of God fully here. Or what I'm trying to get at is well, yeah, because what happened any, anywhere, charted out. Anywhere that, I think anywhere you are where sin and evil reign. Is hell. Is hell. And it's at least characteristics of hell. Now it's tough. Because, you know, you might, um, you might uh, walk outside and you might see two people fighting each other yeah. violently. And that, that is uh, uh, a characteristic of hell. Right. Violence, assaulting each other, uh, the, the, the infliction of damage and pain on an image of God. Yep. And then you might turn to the right and you might see someone, you know, helping, helping an, an old, old lady, lady walk the street. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's not hell. Right. And so in this world with competing forces, it's disorienting. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that hell can't manifest itself on earth. It, no, right. it can yeah. and it does. Well, that, that, that's my contention. That I think that the misunderstanding is more hell is about a place and this thing in the fiery furnace and, you know, eternal darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. But I believe that the biblical conception is more about what happens as a result of evil and sin and death and how we kind of create these places yeah, well, on earth. Uh, I think I think that hell is separation from God. Right. Which happens which now. Which happens now. And it. I think that, so, so it happens now. And if it's the God of life, then death is an intrusion, an unwelcome intruder mm -hmm. into the, the God of life. God of life's domain. Mm -hmm. So. So Jesus fully dies which means that he fully moves into the realm, the domain where Satan rules. Is that in a bodily form? And then spiritually he's with his father in, in paradise? Um, That's what I'm getting at. Like well, there's, he, there's this idea of the well, separation. First, yeah, first or second Peter, I can't remember which one. It says he descends. No, yeah, I know. He descended. He preaches in, to the spirits that were formerly disobedient. And gives... Is that where he says he gives gifts to the captives and leads, yeah, yeah, leads the captivity the captives. of captives? Yeah, 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 yep. It, yep. So where is that? Well, I think that theologically it's, it's the domain of Satan. It's oh. the realm of the dead. So he goes on the day that he dies on the cross, he goes to paradise and he goes to, to this thing? That's what I'm, that's what I'm struggling with. Um, and maybe that's not a struggle to be had. I just that you know the the order of operations in that I'm not like a hundred percent clear yeah. on. But I do think that it's important to understand that that you know the cross is beautiful in light of the resurrection. Yeah, right, right. 
but it is the descent to hell I, of God. Is it safe for me to believe that the hell, that, that the separation that Hades is a part of that which happens in him bodily before he gives up his spirit? Or is it in, can there be, can even in while he's on the cross, through his body, him, in a, in a sense, doing the preaching that he talks about, the descent, mm-hmm. that that's happening to him, and he's kind of, he's descending. He's, my God, you've I, you forsaken, whatever. Right, yeah, and then separated, it, yeah. And then I'm, then, then I'm, I'm putting myself in your hands. I'm yeah. coming to you. So I always had this idea that, he did descend after he gave up his breath. Mm-hmm. My, my concept now is that he's descending on the cross. Mm-hmm. He's in the realm of the dead. He's dying. So that is the realm of the dead. Yeah. Then he says, it is finished. And so the, all of the things, the fulfillment of scripture, the propitiation, the substitutionary atonement, the suffering Messiah, all that is done. Mm-hmm. Now he gives up his spirit and he goes to paradise. That's my thought. Is it, is it fair enough or does that, it, it, do I have to, do, I'm not understanding well, how he's hanging out with the criminal on the cross in paradise that day. If then, or is it like, that's what I mean. Cause he kind of like I right before he I mean, dies. You're sort of like, I, I think you're sort of uh, putting like a, a time. Yeah stamp on it like, yeah, yeah did he yeah. have time to go to hell and yeah, 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 i don't yeah. know if that's exactly how it yeah, works yeah yeah right which I, is fair I, enough I, I my my point mostly uh, or, or it's not my point it's the theological yeah. point of the descent to hell yeah is that uh death death fully full, fully fully the realm of of that belongs to satan yeah that belongs to sin that belongs to evil the the wages of sin is death. death jesus fully dies which means that he has a full confrontation yes yes not just with the forces but with the consequence and the ruler of yeah. the realm yeah. and the domain of those forces and so it's a spiritual cosmic victory yes uh, when he when with that confrontation and then raising being raised from the dead that he triumphs over it yeah right right and i i i yes I, I did the message last year, I think during 15, it's not, it's not, the problem isn't where you go when you die, it's that you die. That's the problem. Yeah. That's and, what's and, never supposed to happen. And, you know, to be eternally separated from God. Yeah. That is hell. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you can be eternally separated from God. And dead. And dead. <laughs> and so like, you know, sometimes because we talk about hell in a nuanced way, people yeah. say we don't believe in hell or they say that we're annihilationists or something, no. which I, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't call us either. We're certainly not universalists. No. And we're, I don't think we're not annihilationists. We, what I would say we believe is that separation from God is hell. Yeah. So the cry of dereliction on the cross, you're right. That's hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's separation from God, yeah. but so is death. Yeah, because it, death is the consequence yes, of sin. So, yes. So death itself is not, you know, uh, it is an intrusion into God's good world. So even the state of the Christian, after they die bodily, people have to understand that that is not God's ultimate conception and and purpose for humanity. So your body's died. Mm-hmm. The Christian believes that that's the end of the story, and we'll yep. get to this with the resurrection. This is the purpose why it can't be. 
What you're, what we're talking about right now is why it cannot be. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to part two today of a multi-part series called Crossing Into Easter. Make sure you check back in next Wednesday at noon for part three. And as always, we love you all. Thanks for listening. 